breaking news and trending talk with Mike and McCarty. Mornings on 1017 FM and 710 Kiel. One hundred one seven FM, seven ten Keel, Mike and McCarty on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline. Louisiana Gaming Control Board Chairman Ronnie Johns joins us. Mr. Johns, you were in town visiting with the mayors, kind of giving an update on the state of gambling in our area. What was your message to the local leaders? Well, Aaron, uh, first of all, I didn't think you guys liked me anymore. I hadn't heard from you lately. You know, I'm sorry. So, uh, <laughs> That's not true. Uh, It's always good, always good to hear uh, from you, and thank you for having me on this morning. Um, I've actually been up here in the market, the Shreveport Bossier Market, since Monday, along with some of my staff, and we did visit with both of the mayors. Um, We brought them up to date on what's going on in the market, not only with Diamond Jack, but also all the other properties. Uh, throughout the market, uh, uh, there's just a lot going on. Can you give us some uh, some uh, the, bullet points of of the top three things that are happening in our market? Well, first of all, uh, let me say how impressed I am with what everybody up here is doing. With Cardish coming in, uh, there's <clears throat> some real excitement for that. But every other property uh, up here uh, is is investing in their uh, uh, in, in their amenities. I've seen a lot of new restaurants. Uh, there's some exciting announcements that are coming in the next few months with, uh, you know, new uh, entertainment venues, new restaurants. Uh, they're saying, look, if we're going to compete, we've, we've got to we've got to put in uh, new things to draw people here into the Bossier Freeport market, and and I've seen that. Uh, Talking with Ronnie Johns, uh, Louisiana Gaming Control Board Chairman. Now, we know Foundation Gaming was the original purchaser of the property. They sold to Cordish, is that correct? That is correct. Foundation Foundation Gaming has uh, uh, entered into an agreement with Cordish. It's not official yet because Cordish is undergoing their suitability through state police. What's the uh, Louisiana Live Project? I got an email from the mayor's office saying the Louisiana Live Project is on schedule. Is that Cordish? That, that's Cordish. Okay. Cordish Live is the brand that Cordish uh, owns. Uh, if you go ahead and Google Texas Live, you'll see what they've done in, in the Fort Worth area. It's just absolutely phenomenal what they've done over there okay so cordish is still uh, the current owner then they're they're not selling is that correct no foundation foundation gaming is actually the current owner okay uh they're selling to cordish and uh okay but but foundation has not just sat back and done nothing ronnie Uh, you told you told us uh you told us a while back this boat has been closed since i believe march of 2020 and you said Correct. we can't let this sit idle very much longer. It seems it nope. seems it's gone way too long now. Are you getting a little frustrated? No, I'm not because things since since we have entered into this agreement with Foundation and then to Cardish, things are actually ahead of schedule. Uh, had we uh, put that license back out for bid, uh, you probably would have looked and literally from a legal standpoint at least a two year process. 
we're moving forward. Uh, all the demolition work at Cardish, I mean, excuse me, at Diamond Jacks has been going on. I walked through there Monday afternoon. The property has been completely uh, uh, demoed. Uh, I'm very impressed with what they've done. They've gutted the entire property. They've spent millions of dollars there. And so <clears throat> we're going through what the Louisiana law says, that Cardish has to go through what's called suitability. And once they are deemed suitable, which they will be, they're suitable in, in a number of other states, uh, they will begin their construction, I think, in early, you know, the first quarter of 2024. And so we're, we're right on schedule. I'm, I'm, I'm very excited about it. It's going to be, uh, this is going to be a game changer in the Shreveport Bossier market. So the suitability but, study but is still going on. When do you expect them to receive the results? Uh, before the end of this year. And this, when this new facility is up and going, it's going to be essentially mm-hmm. a new hotel, a new land-based casino, correct? That is absolutely correct. They, uh, they've committed to um, approximately a $300 million project. Uh, you, you never know as they get into it. It could be more than that. That'll be up to them. But uh, uh, it, it's going to be an entirely new, uh, entirely new property. As I understand, the boat has been sold. Uh, it will be scrapped. They'll have to dismantle it to get it out of uh, where it's at. Who, but, bought, who um, bought it, Ronnie? I have no idea. Okay. Some scrap company. Okay. It's a scrap company. Gotcha. The boat is not usable. Right. Uh, Let me ask you this, too, because we, we earlier talked about the gaming space this boat will have. It won't even be a boat anymore, excuse me. This casino, it's going to be twice as much gaming space than any other casino in our market. Am I still right about that? I, I think it's, I can't give, say it's going to be twice as big. Uh, it's going to be large. It's going to be spread out. It's going to be new, uh, totally land-based. Um, it will be the, the first true land-based property up in Bossier Freeport. You walk into Margaritaville, uh, it looks like it's land-based. Technically, it's not because it's built on barges. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a single-floor casino. It's very nice. And by the way, I'm very impressed with what Margaritaville is doing. Mm-hmm. They're doing a tremendous amount of work out there, and you're going to see some new re- uh, new restaurants, some new um, um, entertainment venues. Uh, I know they just opened Drago's up over there. Uh, Horseshoe has done a lot of stuff. Look, the, the entire market is investing in, uh, in in their properties up here. The racetrack, been out the racetrack yesterday. Uh, very impressive what they're doing. And they've got some exciting announcements that are coming uh, on some new venues out at the racetrack. So, um, anyway, it's been a great trip, um, uh, something that we uh, wanted to put our eyes on and visit with these people and, and see what we can do to, to help them uh, uh, help grow the market here. Um, so, um Anyway, uh, that's kind of where we are. Great but, news. Um, Great news. Well, it sounds, yep. sounds like uh, some exciting things coming. That's, that's good. Yeah, it, it is. And, and it's, um, it's an investment in, in the property. You're going to see, um, um, you know, more employees coming in. I have no doubt um, that the, the Diamond Jacks or the Cardish, I don't know exactly what they're going to uh, name it, but um, uh, probably will be live. Uh, mm-hmm. Some type of a, a well. I'm glad that's still on probably. track. 
because that's exciting. I'm, I'm glad the live uh, or you know brand is still on track because it, they, it's it's definitely it's definitely on track. It's right on time, and and they're not behind schedule. And and and, and stop and think about it. Uh, the quicker they open that property, the quicker that money starts coming in instead mm-hmm. of going out. Absolutely. And when you're when you're spending three hundred million dollars, you better have some revenue starting to come in as quickly as possible. So uh, these guys know what they're doing. Uh, they're a hundred and ten year old company. They're still family owned. <clears throat> they um, they're one of the major entertainment venue operators in the entire country, and I think. Um, Bozier's Freeport is really, really fortunate to have them coming into uh, this market. Ronnie Johns, Gaming Control Board Chairman. Thank you, my friend. Appreciate your time. 1017 FM. Back with more of Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. So there's a big hootie doos going on. Yeah, who doesn't love a hootie do? <laughs> this is a major hootie do. And if I'd have known, I'd have run for state rep. If they'd have given me a little heads up. Is, it, is, is qualifying already over? No, we could run down there today. I could sign up today. That's my district. I so, could I could sign up. I'd end my radio career, but, <laughs> you know, whatever. So you said Barry Manilow is not Not much? Barry Manilow. What? His name is not Barry Manilow. What? His name is Barry Milligan. Oh, okay. Now that makes more sense. He's our state okay. senator, and he has decided everybody expected him to run for re-election. Uh-uh. He says he's stepping down. He's got uh, a physical therapy, some sort of injury that he's dealing with, and he's having to you know concentrate on that right now. And said he just can't focus enough time on his Senate district and the Senate seat, so he's not running. So here's what happened when everybody, the word got out that he wasn't going to qualify. Thomas Presley, who's the state rep, decided he's going to run for the Senate seat. So is John Malkovich. Not Malkovich. Milkovich. Malkovich. <laughs> John Malkovich I'm, is in I, movies. And that, and one wasn't, that one wasn't on purpose. I the first it was. one was. No. John Milkovich. John Milkovich. He was the senator from that district prior to Milligan. Right. Uh, Milligan beat him. So uh, John is going to run. He'd already qualified before the doo-doo hit the fan. Uh, but now Thomas Presley is going to run for that Senate seat. So who's running for Presley's seat other than me? No, I'm not. Please don't tell anybody. That's not true. But he is our state rep in our area. So now Michael Mellorine who is the Bessie member representing District 4, this whole part of the state. He's going to run for that state rep seat, okay? Follow the dots still. Now, this, did you say Milkovich, you, this says he qualified for this Oh, seat. he did before all this hit the fan. Okay, yeah. okay, He, he yeah. qualified on day one before we knew Milligan wasn't running. He was going to run against Milligan to try to win his seat back. Okay. Um, so now, can. Michael Mellorine's wife, Stacy is going to run for the Bessie seat. Okay, repeat all that back. Okay, Barry, Barry Manilow <laughs> Barry and Mal- John Malkovich <laughs> are... And Aaron McCarty. <laughs> yeah. Aaron McCarty, yeah, are are running for uh, Louisiana's governor. It's it's quite the shakeup. 
it is really a big shakeup. And of course, Cedric Glover entered the Senate race. So you're going to have Cedric Glover, Sam Jenkins, Barbara Norton in that Senate race. That's going to be a humdinger. <laughs> I cannot wait for that one. And there may be other names in there too. I haven't looked at the full list, but, but this whole mess in Shreveport too is going to be that. And I'm sure someone else may step in to run against Milligan and Milkovich. I don't know. We'll wait and see. Close of business for qualifying is today. So all the dust will settle so, after so today. I have time to go down and qualify. You do, yeah. You got to pay like a thousand dollars. It's or a, yeah, it's a grand or maybe five hundred. I'm not sure, but yeah, bring your checkbook. Do you take checks, Mike Spence? I don't know. I've got. I'm not sure. Yeah. Oh, sure, he takes a check. Heck, you yeah. can run a debit card if you want. But yeah, you know, I've got it, Venmo. Come on. <laughs> They probably do Venmo. You're right. So it's a little bit of a the, the whole. My phone was blowing up yesterday. Have you heard what's happening? Everything's going to be in a turmoil. Blah. I don't. I'm. I'm a little curious by Mellorine. Bessie to me is a more powerful seat. You're representing a, you know the whole this whole part of the state on Bessie, and you said all education policy. But you'd rather be in the state house. I think maybe he, you know, some of his colleagues have said you can help us more by bringing a, another conservative voice to the house. Um, you know, we shall see what happens. It's going to be it's going to be a fun few months. I'm telling you. Interesting. It's going to be fun. So we're going to get Scott Hughes. Yes. To come in and talk with us about this. Mm-hmm. Political analyst. Oh, man. He's on top of all of it. Oh, I know. He, oh. he knows way more than I do. It's going to be great. And the governor's race, two more. I think uh, Sharon Hewitt, John, Jeff Landry qualified yesterday. Okay. You're going to have two more today. You're going to have uh, Richard Nelson and Wagaspacks can qualify today. So it's and, all and lining up. John Kennedy qualified. No, he did not. Oh, okay. <laughs> 101.7 FM. Back with more of Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Kiel. One oh one seven FM seven ten Kiel Mike and McCarty. Is it Friday? What? Let me read this to you. I've changed gears, I'm sorry. From Scott Hughes, who's joining us at 7. Text message. I may have to pull over. Hang on. My phone just went dark. (laughs) There is some strange liquid falling from the sky. Me scared and confused. (laughs) Have not seen this for a long time. Feel like the guy in Shawshank Redemption. Just want to stand out there in it. (laughs) Arms up, raised. Is it really raining? I, I had the bike out this morning. And when I got when I left the house, um, wind was kind of blowing, mm-hmm. and it was kind of. And I went, you know what? I put the bike in the garage, and then I had to move one of the forerunners oh, because yeah. it was behind my truck. Okay, so I had to move that, and then come back. And then, so it, that's why I was like ten ah, minutes later okay. than normal, and uh, so because I thought it, it said a, a chance of rain. Wow. And I I love to ride, but I don't like to ride in the rain. Mm. I don't mind the heat. 
Right. I don't mind the cold. You Did can you get caught up. in it the other day? Because when I left here, it was drizzling, and you had the bike, and I thought, oh. I know. I had it under the covered parking out there, okay. and it had stopped before I left. Oh, so, good. Okay. Yeah, all right. right. Well, we're still under that excessive heat warning today, even though it, we yes. might see a sprinkle or two. It's still going to be very hot, triple digits all through the weekend. So oh. just brace for that, because it's going to be a scorcher again. Everybody complains about the weather, but mm-hmm. nobody does anything about it. Scott Hughes joining us after the news, top of the hour. Let's get back to the show with Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Kiel. Okay, so you've gotten an update from the city. Yes. About Mardi Gras. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a kind of a take it or leave it type type deal. Here's what we're going to do. Here are the changes we're implementing. And this is the way it's going to be. And it doesn't look like there's room for negotiation. It's like this is the this is what we're changing everything to. Well, and that's what I asked Ricky Bridges when he was here. Mm-hmm. I, I said, look, I mean, frankly, if the city says this is when it's going to start and this is where it's going to start, what recourse do you have? Mm-hmm. Other than going, we're not going to do a parade. And they're not going to do that. Right, right. They're going to have a parade. Um, the the city has sent out their list of um, changes. And these are adopted changes. Yeah, the, the city has made these changes. And um, they had they held meetings last week. We said we want to, the mayor says we want to give those who might be di- who might be disruptive less opportunity and to give SPD a better chance to patrol areas where problems might arise. The first one is the shorter parade. They're going to let the parade start. Gemini, I'm talking Gemini and Centaur now um, at the railroad bridge near Veterans Park instead of downtown. Now, that's My, right at that S-curve as you're coming from downtown heading toward Veterans mm-hmm. Park. It, it curves to the left and then to the right. But, Mike, yes, you dear. have hundreds of riders that typically park downtown in those big parking lots or in the parking garages. And then they walk over to their float and get on. Where are all these people going to park to go get on their floats? Are they going to shuttle bus them, I guess, from downtown? I, you know, they're going to have to make some sort of arrangements to get the riders to their only, floats. And that's only, what, 200 yards from Stoner. It's not like it's a big extension. I, I guess you could park at Stoner, but then then all the crowds won't be able to park at Stoner. You know what I mean? All the crowds. Well, then that, you're going to have to come through. Well, the crowds won't be there quite yet. Um, but there so will be people there. That's a little bit of a logistics problem for the parades. They're going to have to get their riders to their floats. Um, the parades, the second change is the parades will will end by approximately dusk instead of well after dark. That means the parades will begin at 2.30 instead of the current 3 p.m. I'm okay with the 30-minute back adjustment. That doesn't – now, it used to be they didn't start till like 4 or 4.30, but we've gradually moved that back. So now it would be 2.30. Uh, the third is have better managed parades with fewer delays. They're going to have to have more wreckers available along the ra- riding in the parade gonna so have, that they can fix those floats if they break down a lot quicker and you don't have a big gap in the parade. And they have tighter restrictions on how far apart floats can be. Yes. They have to keep up with each other so that there's not a big lull in the action because that's but, when people do crazy things. And then what? It, but, but, 
are you going to have officers writing tickets to float drivers because you're not close enough to the float in front of you? Yeah, and I mean, how, how do you enforce that? You're going to find them at the end. They're they're, they're planning fines. They're going to have penalties if they don't comply with the contract provisions. But who's going to be watching that? And are you going to have like a little monitor riding along? And then the other big thing that we don't know the solution yet is one parade in a day. And for several times, the African-American History Parade and one of our Mardi Gras parades have have fallen on the same date. The African-American History Parade has been for 30-plus years the first Saturday in February. Occasionally, the Mardi Gras parades fall on that same date. This year, the Centaur Parade falls on that date. So the city is saying the Centaur Parade will have to change their date. And they've they've looked at two possible dates. One, the Sunday, February 4th, or the Saturday, January 27th. The city says they think that their parades will work fine on either date. The problem is the Gemini Ball is January 27th. And a lot of the Centaur royalty goes to the ball. So you've got a little bit of a problem that, uh, you know, I don't know the solution to that. I'm not sure what date they're going to ultimately pick, but they're going to have to change the date. It doesn't look like it's negotiable. It looks like this is the way it's going to be. You got to deal with it. We just don't have enough staff members to take care of two parades in one day anymore. But then Would I it think be easier for the African-American parade to change their date? No, because the mayor was pretty adamant about that. They've done it on the first Saturday in February for 35 years to kick off African-American History Month. I get that. That's the beginning of the, the celebration of their month. That's how they started their month. But my issue is, do we not have police shortages everywhere? New Orleans runs parade after parade after parade after parade. They just keep going. It happens in Lafayette. It happens in other cities. I We got to figure out how do other cities do it. Can you get state police to come in? Can you get other agencies to come in? You know, maybe we maybe we do this solution for this year, but we look for next year for down the road because other cities do multiple parades in a day. So they they accomplish it. I don't know. I I still say you reach out to other agencies. And what about the crews ponying up for extra security? Mm. Should there be a fee for extra security? Right. We'll find out. We'll, we'll keep on. Now more breaking news and trending talk with Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Kiel. One oh one seven FM seven ten Keel, Mike and McCarty. Mm, boy. Big goings on. I mean there's several several things with, I know. with all this Mardi Gras stuff going on. Yeah, I just got another call. The 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 crews say that you know, they'll figure out how to get on their floats. They'll figure out, you know, if you're gonna start it. Sure. But the but the point that they that they're making now is you're creating a population density in a shorter route. Where the crowds are going to be more dense. Because the, it, it, the crowds are still going to be there. They're coming. They're still coming. And it, is it be, isn't it better to spread them out more along a longer route rather than pack them in in a more dense crowd? There, there was an event that took place down on, on the riverfront in Festival Plaza. And I'm not going to name it. Um, 
during during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And in order to route people, instead of letting people go from table to table across under the bridge mm-hmm. there, and they set up ropes. And then you had to stay within this lane, oh, okay? And yeah. you go to, and you had to go in all one direction, and then come back and all come up the other. Well, what they did was they clustered everybody tightly together. Mm-hmm. They they actually made it worse. Yes, trying to make things better, but instead of letting people just keep their own distance and move right. freely. They cl- well, that's what Mardi Gras, that's what the city's doing. Mm-hmm. Now you're clustering people together more tightly in a smaller space, but yeah. it's going to be the same amount of people. Right. So tempers are going to flare. Hey, get off my blanket. Get out of my space. I rented this space. I caught that bead. I want it. I'm going to punch you over it. You're, you're asking. crazy. Uh, it is. Got this text just now from someone with one of the Mardi Gras parades, and this is probably... The most controversial thing that people are going to talk about. The people at the beginning of the parade are not the problem. When you roll from downtown, I've right. ridden in these parades forever. Right. Yes. I haven't in a while. The people at the beginning of the parade are not the problem. And I'm quoting here, shut the damn duck pond down. So take that, it off King's Highway. That is what they're why, saying. If you're going to make a shorter route, shut off the route that is the problem area. The problem should, area is the duck pond. They should we all will that, admit that. They should take that mile or so out of the center of the parade. where <laughs> that's, That would make more sense. But, you know, the problem is a lot of people that live by the duck pond, they want it there. Right. They have their parties. Well, they, there were signs for, remember, keep keep uh, yes. uh, Mardi Gras on Kings. Mm-hmm. I mean, there were signs that year that they were talking about eliminating it. And, and, I, and I understand that. And those folks are vocal. They contribute to campaigns. They have friends that are elected officials. But if you want the truth from anybody that rides in those parades, that East Kings seg- segment is the most scary. So end it where? At Super One? Where where do you end it? Somewhere along Shreve City area. You wrap it up before you get to East Kings and you and then they turn down East Kings and they go back up the parkway and, and go home. But again, that whole neighborhood, there's a large percentage of them that want it. That would be a real tough decision to make. But if the whole key is Cut down how many crimes you have to report, walk and cover. Because at that point, people have been drinking all day. They've been drinking all day. And they're at the, yeah, they're Absolutely. at the end of it, right? And another big problem is that East Kings area is where a lot of families think it's okay to let my teenagers be out there by themselves because it's, it's a neighborhood. And those teenagers, let's just say gummy bears, alcohol, all kinds of stuff they get into. And that's when I had more stuff thrown at me was in East Kings area. Scott Hughes joining us after the news. 1017 FM, 710 Keel, Mike and McCarty. Scott, I don't know if an hour is going to be enough. I've been listening, <laughs> I've been listening to this during the news. Uh, my gosh. Scott Hughes, political analyst joining Mike and McCarty. Good morning. In studio. Good morning. 
Thank you for coming in. Sure, it's, it's light rain outside. And, and we had talked with you yesterday to get you to schedule you to come in. And then this happened, mm-hmm. and I looked at Aaron and I said, well, we couldn't have planned that any better. Yeah, well, we knew qualifying we might have some surprises. But today we it's only day two. Let's be clear. Yes. Today, today is the final day of qualifying, so we have another eight hours to go. But what happened yesterday was that started this uh, turmoil. Maelstrom. Dominoes tumbling was Barry Milligan deciding not to run for his Senate seat. That started a mess. Explain what happened. Well, kind of very surprising news. Barry Milligan is the um, current senator um, in in, um, in 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 Senate um, thirty eight. Senate thirty eight. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Senate thirty eight. He's the current senator. Widely expected to not only run for reelection but win reelection. He held a fundraiser. There are signs out. Barry has signs out mm-hmm. already. And then all of a sudden, the news began to spread that he wasn't going to run. He's had a personal issue. I don't know a lot about it. I know it's um, he's publicly said it involves physical therapy. I think it's a hand type of situation Mm -hmm. he'll explain what it is but um he decided not to run and that set off a rapid domino series of events because now an open senate seat um tom presley who is the house six representative decides to jump into that a name from the past john milkovich um had, had had was already in the race he ran last time against barry so now that race is set it opens a house seat which wasn't even supposed to be a race by the way barry milligan is going to join us coming up after the eight o'clock news yes so he'll we'll explain it why he made the decision from the horses it'd be good mouth. to hear but, directly from him because mm-hmm. he's a very popular senator had mm-hmm. done a lot of things he headed homeland security some things for the state and sure. so really surprising that all of a sudden he's out because he easily would have won re-election i believe but then the domino effect takes on House 6, and with Thomas out, who was also very popular. In theory, no one was going to run against him, no major candidate. Mm-hmm. So that race is suddenly an open seat. Then we start hearing about um, Michael Mellorin, the current Bessie Board representative. And that's like a 13-parish seat. Yeah, That's like a public service commissioner. It's, it's a pretty large powerful office, seat. Um, very specialized education. Again, Michael was not expecting any opposition for the Bessie 4 seat. Um, and suddenly he is in the House 6 seat. Um, there was another young man that, that filed independent. Um, now, after that, everything hit. Bobby Darrow, who many know, street mm-hmm. theater director, um, sort of a local activist, got in. He's going to run as a Democrat. So now we have a race forming in House 6. I'm running for that seat, Evan, too. Evan McMichael. Aren't you running, yeah. too, Scott? No, I'm not running. I, I heard have, you were running. I, I ran 20 years ago. So <laughs> okay. I, I know that race. My, you think your phone was blowing up. Oh, my God. My history with House 6, having actually been a candidate years ago. Let me mm-hmm. say that clearly. I'm not running in this election. I'm cycle. not running either. I'm um, joking. I am. And, and we may have to take score that way. I mean, who's <laughs> yeah. not running at this point? But anyway, how six is going to now form up. I would anticipate maybe a few other folks get in now that it is a clearly open house seat. And the Bessie seat, Mellorin's wife qualified for. So now the Bessie seat opens up. That's a powerful, highly political spot. I don't know oh, if you yeah. follow Bessie races. They spent upwards of a million dollars each on those races last time. Bessie, public education, K-12 is very political. So he's out of that. And now now we see his wife, Stacy, has filed for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm imagining she shares his same beliefs. But, um, I mean, I'm the political analyst. It could just be a placeholder. I expect you will now see several other names get into Bessie's seat. I think she's probably just being put there as a placeholder. Is she an educator at all? I, I know nothing about her. She, okay. again... We knew him. We didn't know her. Right. So I don't want to speak about a candidate I know nothing about. So why is he, the Bessie member, running for House? Can you give us the, the give us the inside scoop? I kind of have an idea of what happened. Um, I, you know, well, what do you think happened? I mean, 
knowing a, a little inside politics, um, I believe he's the law partner of Alan Seaball. He's an attorney by trade. I think that that in general, um, attorneys tend to more like the legislature. It's more what they do. Um, I think that running for Bessie, if you start to look at things um, lining up, I mean, the, the legislature, it's funny, Bessie in many ways is a larger elected office. But many view the legislature as a more powerful elected office. Bessie's certainly more powerful within education. If K-12 mm-hmm. is your issue, that is the board. But let's be honest, the legislature approves the MFP formula. Bessie things still have to largely go to the legislature. Less, Bessie is a regulatory body. Okay. It regulates K-12. The legislature is the legislative body. It makes law. Oh. So I, I think he's looking at the opportunity to go over and maybe you know line up for a 12-year um um, House seat, if he can get House six, you tend to get reelected and reelected. Mm-hmm. And then if his law partner, Alan Seaball, wins a Senate seat, that might align him to be on a right cycle for a Senate yeah. seat. Okay, we're going to keep you here because we're going to talk about somebody who's uh, was arrested for uh, pleasuring themselves. We have somebody who's running for office who had felony convictions. We have a lot of juicy stuff going on. We got to talk about all this. All America, right? anyone can run for office. <laughs> Scott Hughes in with me. Back to the big stories of the day with Mike and McCarthy on 1017 FM and 710 Kiel. My head is just swimming. I know, this is nuts. I mean, seriously, I I feel like I'm in a cloud. I'm in a fog right now. (laughs) This is crazy. This is like dream season. (laughs) I love this. Do we have somebody that qualified to run for governor that is like a sex offender? Is that true? Yes. No, it's not. You're lying. Okay, wait. Hold on. I got to get back to this. Hold on. <laughs> who's who's a sex offender running for governor? Well, so far, so far, we've had officially <laughs> so far. Twelve, oh gosh, <laughs> Louisiana politics. So far, we've had twelve people register for governor, and that includes. And there's two we know are going to Nelson and Wagaspak have not yet read qualified. So right. there could be fourteen. But of the twelve that registered, there are some very interesting characters. You always get that people oh, pay yeah. the filing fee. Mm-hmm. Um, the two most interesting so far, probably, um, there is a man named Frank Skurlock. Okay. Um, Frank Skurlock formerly ran for the New Orleans uh, mayor's race. He did not win. But then he sued the Times-Picayune, their daily newspaper, because it ran a story about his charges for public masturbation. Can I say that? So he, he's That's running as an now. independent. Um, yes, Sorry, he's running as an independent. <laughs> I, I don't think he was I, arrested for that in public somewhere. I, I, I'm going to say allegedly because I'm okay. not an attorney or a DA down right. in the Orleans area. But yes, and 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 so he and so then he ends up suing the newspaper for simply running a story about something he allegedly did, which clearly was criminal charges, or they wouldn't have had right. It. Um, he's in the race. You'll have huh. a chance to vote for him for governor. Uh, my my favorite candidate so far is Patrick Henry Dat Barthel. He seems to be a one-issue candidate. They want to, He's from St. Rose. He wants to improve Louisiana by bringing Disney World to Louisiana. Oh, he's well, got a plan. Who can I'm argue for him. with that? What's he's, his name? 
Um, Patrick, Patrick Henry. Henry Dat Barthel. Dat. Disney World for Louisiana. And, and then I say you do have 12 candidates. It's going to be 14. Okay. Um, that race on paper is actually very simple. Don't look. All the names are going to be there. But in the end, it's very likely going to be Jeff Landry, your current attorney general, the leading guy in the polls and money raised, is going to probably make the runoff against Sean Wilson. Okay. Who at this point is the major African-American slash Democratic candidate in the race. I think they both get at least 25, 30 percent. They go through the finals. Mm-hmm. Um, there won't be a winner outright because there are some other significant candidates. Wagons back. Nelson, you interviewed him. John Schroeder, your mm-hmm. current secretary treasurer. Mm-hmm. Sharon and, Hewitt. And Sharon Hewitt, who's yeah. a significant senator. Wagons so back hasn't came to, uh, qualified He's yet not either. qualified yet. So that'd be interesting to see if he does qualify today. And Nelson told you he was headed down to qualify, yeah. I think. So we expect him to qualify. But you're going to have five legitimate candidates well-funded in that race. But th- uh, there's almost no way it's not Landry versus Wilson. Does Landry have to stumble between now and election day for him not to make the runoff? I, 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 he'd have to He'd have to die, I think, to not make the runoff. Really? He, he's, the problem is the more candidates you get, the more powerful his base becomes. He has a base. He kind of okay. has, and, and I don't like the term, but I'm going to use it a lot today. He has that MAGA base of the Republican Party. And I don't mm-hmm. like the term because I don't want to put everybody in one camp, but to describe it, he's got that conservative populist Trump base. Okay. okay? And they're not leaving him. And so right. as long as they stay with him, and they will, he's in. He's, in. he's also the official candidate of the Republican Party, mm-hmm. which is going to get him at least 25% of the vote. Do you see him possibly pulling out a victory without a runoff. Landry? Yeah. Not a chance at all. Not a chance. He's mm-hmm. highly unpopular. And you um, got a popular Democrat in the, the race. Is, yeah. The issue with Landry, and I'll be careful what I say because I'm probably about to upset a lot of your listening audience, but he's highly popular with the MAGA part of the Republican Party. He is extremely unpopular with everybody else. He has high negatives. Um, one of my consultant friends down in Baton Rouge referred to him as the political love child of um, David Vitter and Rasponi, like, the last two governor candidates. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm, not, I'm not saying, but he has a lot of the traits of those guys. He has a lot of baggage that no one's learned about yet that you're going to learn about in the next couple Isn't of months. Isn't he the one Sean Wilson wants? He's the one Sean Wilson wants because Sean Wilson believes the one guy he can beat is Landry because he's got baggage no one's heard about. So why give Wilson the one guy he wants? Well, because... And he might be. Well, there's and then a reason with, he wants and then we have And then we have another Democratic governor for another four, possibly and eight years. And that's the Rispone part of him, to go to the political consultant's analogy. Mm-hmm. Rispone, nice guy, business guy he just not a good campaigner and if you look at landry he's already ducking he's ducking forums he doesn't do press interviews yesterday he qualified and ducked out the side door didn't take any questions and so mm-hmm. um many people are alluding him if you know national politics to ron DeSantis, the florida governor great guy on paper when you put him on the streets of iowa he's not selling because he doesn't connect with people and so that's the concern with landry structurally he can win this race because he'll he'll make the runoff and then he gets the democratic candidate head up um you know to be honest, the biggest you know problem that Sean Wilson's going to have is is that he's actually black. I hate to say that, but um, if Sean Wilson were white, he might beat Landry. The fact that he's an African American in Louisiana voting, unfortunately, that's what the race may come down to, and that's why mm. Landry wants to get in it. This is now, almost better than football season. <laughs> Almost. 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 So that's the governor's race. Yeah. That's the top of the ticket. It goes downhill after that. Wow. Mm. Now, I've got a question. Can a can a convicted felon run for elective office? Well, the, the the answer is yes. Anyone's allowed to file. Now, what we'll find out is can someone challenge anyone that has a past and maybe get them disqualified? Um, but you're going to see several. So if you're a felon, you can qualify. I don't still. believe you can. 
but 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 certain things happen. Some felonies go away. Sometimes you get a pardon. I mean, Sometimes a convicted you... felon can't vote, can they? I, I I'm gonna say no, but mm-hmm. again, I'm not the attorney, and and that's. It's such a rare part of what takes place. I don't really feel comfortable talking about it. But, yes, you're going to get people that will qualify, and someone may have to go to court to have them disqualified. We'll talk okay. about that next. Mm-hmm. Micah McCarty with Scott Hughes in Studio 101. Back with more of Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. One hundred one seven FM, seven ten. Keel, Mike and McCarty in studio with political analyst Scott Hughes. Scott, I, I am. I'm just in awe of your knowledge of all this. <laughs> I, I really, I respect your 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 knowledge and able to to uh, our, uh, um, voice, uh, uh, articulate. <laughs> I'm just I'm thank just you for a, laughing at that because it was that was a joke. I'm just a junkie right now, Mike. Getting as high. If you are into elections, this is your time oh. right now. Oh now, when gosh. is the first election? When do we go vote for governor? The first round is October the 14th. Okay. Um, and remember, in Louisiana, I think most of us know we have what's called the open or jungle primary, meaning that there's no closed primaries. Everyone's on the ballot at the same from? time. Where did mm-hmm. that so phrase come from? The open primary? No, 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 no. I don't know the jungle history of the primary. second one, but it's, it, that's, it's, it's often referred. I think it just means because you're throwing everybody together in the jungle. All the animals live in the one jungle. And, and that's a Saturday and election. And the, the king of the jungle wins. That's a Saturday election. Is that an LSU game weekend, too, or do um, we know? I have, I have not looked that okay. far ahead, but October 14th is traditionally a big time time okay um and for, for football but october 14th is the primary the runoffs are in november november the 18th that's getting okay. a little late in the season mm-hmm. okay that's close to thanksgiving yeah, yeah. you starting to get kind of kind of close to thanksgiving um filing has been the last two days today is the last day of filing okay um if people are interested um if people are interested the, the call um the deadline for in-person registration is um september the 13th um, and then the deadline to request a mail ballot is October the 10th. Um, and then the early voting begins on September 30th. October 14th is nothing major. It's LSU Auburn. Oh, gosh. At okay. LSU. <laughs> when we come back, yes, a convicted felon has filed to run for office in Shreveport. Uh, I want to find out, can you do that? Who has to check? Oh, what the heck? 101.7. Let's get back to the show with Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. In studio with Shreveport political analyst, expert extraordinaire Scott Hughes joining us this morning. Um, Scott, Michael Williams, I believe a former Caddo Parish commissioner. Correct. Um, he has filed to run for that office again. Um, but he was convicted uh, in federal court of wire fraud, a felony, correct? Uh, my not, my memory was that he ran a nonprofit. He was convicted, uh, uh, charged with 12 counts and then convicted on 11. Um, and, yes, he has filed to run for Caddo Commission District 3. That's the seat currently held by Stephen Jackson, mm-hmm. who's not running. So it's an open seat, and three people have qualified, and he's one of them. Has the law changed? Can felons run for office now in Louisiana? I always like to give my premise. I am not an attorney right. nor the Secretary of State. But my, 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 my memory of the law is that you cannot run 
in in general, but there are some exceptions. I think one of the exceptions is if you've exhausted all of your remedies and you and then I think there's a five year rule. I think five years after okay. your term is over, you might be eligible. But don't quote me on that. Right. Again, I, I think an attorney needs to answer that question. But he may have now, been out long enough now that he, that he has reset for him. When you say your term, you mean your sentence, correct? It's correct. It's a, it, 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 he was convicted, I believe, in 2016, and so, and so he was he was sentenced to. And I don't know. If he, I don't know. I don't know what the terms of his conviction were. Right. And so, but at, at some point, he was convicted for X amount of time. Mm-hmm. And so, if that time has passed, and then five years, I believe he might be eligible. With my general knowledge of election, who, who can challenge was, it? He was sentenced to three years of supervised release, ordered to pay eight thousand five hundred eighty-four thousand. I mean, eight hundred five. $8,584.68 restitution and a $10,000 fine. Uh, so that was a three-year supervised release. So just putting some simple math, which you know my, my saying, we should never do math in public. Mm-hmm. But if he had a three-year sentence and then there's a five-year prohibition after that, that's eight years. Well, he's running for Stephen Jackson's seat. And Mr. Jackson has held that seat for at least two terms. Eight. Right, so it's right. very likely that he's at that point now where he's regained his eligibility to run for public office. America is a second-chance country. You know, you, okay. you, you, you serve your time, and we believe in giving you a second chance. All right. So, hey, just, per, so just, perhaps just, now, but who he, could challenge it? Who's eligible to challenge his? He's candidacy? in a race right now for Parish Commission seat three. There are two other candidates: Joshua Hansen, who's a local realtor and insurance agent, and Victor Thomas, who I think works for Southern University District Dist, Distance Learning Department. They're the most likely people to challenge. They're okay. the other candidates, but I believe to challenge anybody, you have to have what's called standing in the law. You have to be affected by the decision. So in this case, it's normally a resident of the district. A Qualified voter in the district. Okay. Other statewide races that are shaping up. What what stands out for you uh, from these statewide races? Some of those races are open. The the incumbents not running. Well, statewide races. We covered governor earlier. I think that's going to be Sean Wilson versus Jeff Landry. It looks like on paper. Um, Lieutenant Governor um, Billy Nungesser has filed to run again. Very popular. You have mm-hmm. him all the time on your show. I think he wins that easily. Although he's got a couple of challengers. I'll come back to Secretary of State. That is the race of the ballot up top. Um, Attorney General, we know Jeff Landry's leaving that job. It looks like it's going to be his lieutenant, Liz Morrell. She's the current Solicitor mm-hmm. General, widely respected. Um, we had a surprise yesterday. An attorney named Lindsay Cheek. She's a kind of a tort attorney out of New Orleans, jumped in. She's going to be the official Democratic candidate. That makes it a race. I do okay. think Ms. Morrell has a huge leg up to be your next Attorney General. Treasurer, um, there's three people so far. Um, the most interesting candidate, our former Congress. Congressman John Fleming, the only one from North Louisiana actually on a statewide ballot right okay. now. Um, I actually like John's chances. John, um, beyond being our, our former congressman, many aren't aware he was served in the Trump administration right. um, in various capacities. And now, so- a, 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 can- a Republican candidate from North Louisiana has never won a statewide election. Is that correct? Buddy Romer. Buddy Romer. Mm-hmm. Jay Bennett Johnson back in the U.S. Senate back in the day, but not 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 in modern era. Modern era has been very very difficult for us to win from up here. The key here is that he was a congressman, so he has mm-hmm. some name recognition. And his two opponents right now, he's got a Democrat from um, Lake Charles, a financial planner, Dustin Granger. You know, you don't like the yeah. structural setup there. And then the other Republican is Scott McKnight. Um, he's a who's only a first term state representative out of um, Baton Rouge. So right and, now and the, that that one that one could tilt towards Mr. Fleming and the, the Secretary of 
State. Well, let's get to that one. Secretary that's of State is the barn burner race. The incumbent's Kyle Ardwan. He's not running. And so who is in that race? Gwen Collins Greenup. She ran the last two times. Um, mm-hmm. She's the, the major Democratic candidate. Mike Francis, he's a public service commissioner, very well known. He ran in 06 for this job against Jay Darden. He's the former chair of the state party, 94 okay. to 2000 for the Republicans. You also have Nancy Landry. She was a state rep. She's actually viewed as the possible contender because she's the internal candidate. She's worked the last four years with Kyle Ardwan. She's running. And then, oh, by the way, you have Clay Schneider, the current Speaker of the House, <laughs> and you have Brandon Trost. Glare, who who sells himself as a businessman. He's a grocery store owner, a Christian warrior. He's well known for fighting the vax mandates. So uh-huh. that's five legitimate candidates in that race. This could be the best race on the ballot. Mm. Now there's and, another Thomas Kennedy. There's the Thomas third. Kennedy. I'm sorry. Yes, you're right, Mike. Thomas Kennedy <laughs> from New Orleans. He might as well get out of the race. I mean, you've got the Speaker of the House. You've got a well-known guy that from, from um, COVID coming out. You've got Nancy Landry, the internal candidate, and you've got Mike Francis and Gwen Carlton. And that's five candidates. That's going to be crazy. I did get a text. Buddy Romer won as a Democrat and switched Switched to Republicans. He switched parties. So he he ran as a Democrat. When we come back, can we talk about the sheriff's race and maybe the Caddo Commission races before we wrap things up? We'll talk whatever you want. Cool. Scott Hughes in with Mike and McCarty. 1017 now more breaking news and trending talk with Mike and McCarthy on 1017 FM and 710 Kiel. In studio with Scott Hughes, Shreveport political analyst. Uh, Scott, thank you so much for spending this hour with us. This is amazing, been, isn't yes. it? Yes. It, isn't that incredible? I got the mm. greatest job in the world. Barry Milligan, by the way, joining us at eight ten. Yeah, I'll be listening to that. Why he's getting out of the Senate, the, that the Senate race, the sheriff's race, um, Caddo sheriff's race, because we also have a Bosher sheriff's race. Yes, we do. Just Absolutely. Real quick, someone did file against Julian Whittington. I think he's fine, but you okay. do have sheriff's races in all parishes. Um, what's happening in there the... are other sheriff's races? <laughs> wow! But what? the big ones in Caddo. Uh, how do you see that shaping up? We now have the uh, Shane Gibson, the Greenwood Police Chief, in Eric Hatfield. Henry Whitehorn and John Nicholson. Um, what's going to happen here? I think when you look at that one on paper, I don't see any way at this point that it's really not Henry Whitehorn and John Nicholson in a runoff. Mm-hmm. Um, I think John's going to run as the official Republican candidate. Um, we, we all know Eric Hatfield. He's run many times before. He's in the race. Um, Eric will do fine out in some of the rural areas. He's, he's got a little constituency. Shane Gibson is the Greenwood police chief, as you said. Sure. Um, I don't know that he's going to be a major candidate. He may pull some votes from, from the west part of the parish. The key there is they're both Republicans. So they're going to pull a little vote from what would be Nicholson, perhaps, mm-hmm. um, and force a runoff. I, I think in the end, this is going to come down to two things. It's going to come down to people that look at Chief Whitehorn, and they're going to say, how much do we like or dislike him because of the Perkins administration? I think his, his resume may be the greatest resume you've ever seen to run for sheriff, to be mm-hmm. honest. He's done everything. But that, that, that city experience at the end is going to be a negative on him. And people are going to look at John Nicholson, and they're going to say, does he have any law enforcement experience? Mm-hmm. Certainly, he's a lawyer. He can collect taxes. He can manage things. What does he do to, to counter that? 
Um, Should he bring somebody, you know, on board with him and uh, ahead and say, here's going to be my law enforcement guy? My my gut is it's going to come down. This doesn't happen a lot because you're hiring the head guy. Mm-hmm. But I think with both these guys, because a lot of folks don't know the department, as I'm told by some folks inside, there's actually several jobs opening at the department. Some of the top management jobs are all about to retire. So you're not just hiring a sheriff. The first thing the sheriff's going to do is appoint a lot of key lieutenants. And so I think that it's an opportunity, one for John, and a question for Henry is, who would you appoint? Because mm-hmm. day one, you got to appoint the head of patrol and some of these things. And so I think it's an opportunity for Nicholson to come out and say, yeah, I may not have the law enforcement your experience that you're looking for, but this is the person I'm going to put in charge here's of Here's my team. Yeah. And here's my skill set. And Henry has the law enforcement experience, so he's going to show you, here's I'm going to put in charge to help with. Because the biggest part of the sheriff's department is actually the civil division when you get mm-hmm. practical. The sure. taxes, mm-hmm. the collection, the protections. But people get so concerned about the law enforcement side. Right. Now, runoff. Nicholson, Whitehorn. Nicholson, Whitehorn. Um, what's going to be interesting is it, it won't be the only thing on the ballot. There'll be a lot of things. We'll have a governor runoff. We'll have all these runoffs. Okay, but um, uh, focusing my, on the sheriff, and, and, and how so, do you I, see that playing out? And so because of those runoffs, I'm going to have to lean a little toward John Nicholson because I'm seeing the Republicans having the advantage in those other state races. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to be really pushing for Jeff Landry. They're going to be really pushing in all these other races. Um, and then, of course, you get down into the other local races, commissioners for, for or police jury seats mm-hmm. and then the, the state reps. I see a lot of interest in those races as well. It's going to have met better turnout probably in the more traditional Republican areas of town. Uh, last okay. minute here, the Caddo Commission races. Anything jump out at you that was a surprise or any any of those races going to be uh, really key to watch. Well, we'll run through those real quick. Um, in District 1, it's going to be a barn burner. Todd, Hop- Todd Hopkins, the incumbent, has drawn Chris Crackman and maybe others. People can still file. Mm-hmm. Chris is very uh, very popular and very active in the Cattle Freedom Alliance. That's going to be a real race up in the rural part of the parish. Um, District 2, um, that's um, the replaced Lyndon Johnson. Very likely Stephen Jackson. Fi- uh, or not, I'm sorry, um, not, not Jackson there. It's Greg Gregory Young right now is in that seat. District 3, we just talked about that. That's where Michael Williams is making mm-hmm. an appearance against Joshua Hansen and Victor Thomas. That one may go to court, but I think it's going to ultimately be a very... This Victor Thomas, we're going to have to learn more about that person. Okay. Um, District 4, you're going to have Frank Thaxon versus the incumbent John Paul Young. That's going to be a hot race. Frank mm-hmm. Thaxon is running a heavy campaign against a popular incumbent. Roy Burrell easily gets reelected in 5. I think Stephen Jones gets reelected in 6. Stormy Gage Watts gets reelected in 7. You have a real race in, in 8. This is the seat um, 8. It's going to be um, Ronald Cawthorn's in it now, but that's really um, Jim Talaferro's seat. It's the ultimate mm-hmm. one they're replacing, and that's Grace Ann Blake against Tim Mueller. They're both running huge campaigns. That's a um, she owns Avalon Hair and um, very mm-hmm. popular. And then Tim Mueller, I think, is the head of school for Word of God Academy. Okay, um, and he's out there in that one. District nine, John Atkins seems to be reelected without opposition. District ten will be a big race. This is Mario Chavez's seat. He's not seeking reelection, and we're going to have Quentin Aunt, Ronnie Cawthorn, um, which is interesting because. He seems to be the interim over in another district, mm-hmm. but he's running in this district. I think it's new district lines that allows right, that to happen. Right. And then Kenny Gordon, who I don't know much about. And they're all Democrats. They're all Democrats. This is this is a Democratic seat, very likely. Ronnie uh, Quentin Oth has run before. He's run multiple times as a younger man. But this Ronnie Cawthorn's an, an incumbent in a sense. Mm-hmm. And then 11 with Lazarus, 12 with Ken Epperson. They're going to get reelected as incumbents. Scott, thank you so much, man. We appreciate it. Mm-hmm. We could go another hour. Uh, Barry Milligan is joining us next. One hundred one seven.
101.7 FM, 710 Keel, Mike and McCarty. And on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline, State Senator Barry Milligan joining us. Barry, good morning. Thanks for talking with us. Good morning. Good we, morning. How are y'all? Well, we're doing very well. Uh, you kind of dropped a bomb yesterday. Is that? Is, I did. It was a bit of a shock, wasn't it? it yeah. <laughs> I think you surprised a lot of people. You, you've already had a fundraiser. I mean, there are signs out in yards, but then you announced that you're not running for uh, your seat. Tell us when you made that decision and why. Well, it had been on my mind for two or three weeks now, and we've been having discussions with the family. And, and you know, it takes a, a sacrifice to the family to even get behind a, a candidate to run. And then it takes a sacrifice to the family to allow a candidate to serve. And obviously, serving from North Louisiana, it means I'm, I'm gone more than I'm home. And I, I, I kind of got the impression as we went through and we started our preparation and we started campaigning a little bit and fundraising that that the family um, just wasn't overly excited about it. Um, I, I mean, certainly they support me and they say, yes, let's go and whatever you want to do. But but I could tell. And when I started having conversations with them, um, the words that I heard was, you know, Dad, we miss you. Um, you know, my wife is, you know, we, we miss you. You're, you're rarely home uh, with your job in the Senate. And we have two new grandbabies and, and they did point to to health issues that I've had over the years, which I like to think are self inflicted. But but they they're there. And, and tell us about those, Barry. And, what what's what what health issues? Somebody saying with hand surgery. What what specifically happened that you can share with us? Well, I'll tell you, and 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 I'll tear. I can tear up a steel ball, Aaron. Uh, you know, over the past four years, I've I've broken my neck. I've had neck surgery. I've had two back surgeries, and then a week before this past legislative session, I was I was helping my dad uh, in his garden, and we were cutting some metal, and the saw got away, and it it it, it cut all the tendons across the top of my hand. <sighs> but we had to repair those, and then obviously go down the session, but. Yeah, that's the story of my life, though. That's, I, I could tear up a steel ball real easy. Um, but you know, like the back issues, when, when you sit in, in a car, uh, for hour after hour, and then you sit in meetings after hour, and you sit on the floors after hours, hours after hours, it, it just takes its toll. But I'm, I'm willing to, the, the health issues, I, I, I can put those aside. I, that, that's not going to slow me down much, but that was one of the things they pointed out to me. Um, and they were just concerned and, and they kept pointing to two new grandbabies that are, that are one and three that I rarely get to see, even though I live in the same neighborhood. So it's, it's a combination uh, you know, of things. It's family. Look, it's family. Look, I didn't, I, I, I am not a politician. I, I went down to be a public servant and, and to serve the needs of Northwest Louisiana. And it has been the greatest blessing and I have enjoyed every moment of it. And, and honestly, I, I, you know, I'm not done. I, w- I would love to go back someday. I would love to be able to serve in, in, a, in any capacity that moves North Louisiana forward. But at times you have to step back and say, what's the most important thing in your life? And the further that we got to, to towards qualifying, the, the more we looked at that and said, you know, as a family unit, it's, it's just not time. Barry, you, you, you know, yes, yes, ma'am. Barry Milligan, we're talking state senator. I, I want to ask you this because I'm I'm curious, and I think maybe your answer is yes, but I want to ask it. Did the way the session ended in such a chaotic manner um, have an impact on this too? That you were like, you feel like you're powerless when things happen like like they did. 
you know, the it's it, it that didn't make up my decision. I, I will tell you that I was disappointed with the way session ends. We we worked so hard to to be able to to work together and 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 make things uh, right for Louisiana and take care of Louisiana. Only for the train the train to leave the tracks and in, in, in the final moments, and and we're disappointed in that. Um, and and I guess you can point to to that and say politics, right? And mm-hmm. and but I don't I don't like playing those games. That's not that's not who I am. Um, I I went down there to to serve Northwest Louisiana and Louisiana as a whole, and do the best job I can do. And, and when you work hard, um, you know, for sixty straight days in a, in a session, only to find out that, that all your hard work in the final moments. Uh, you know, somebody takes control, basically hijacks and moves it in whatever direction they want to, as related to the budget. Um, it, that's that's upsetting. Mm-hmm. But no, that didn't that didn't that didn't cause my answer. I, I I you know, you take the good with the bad, and and there's there are so many good folks down there that we work with as a team and and try to move the the ball forward. You've got two children. We're talking with Barry Milligan, state senator. Um, how how old are your kids? So my oldest is. 26 and my youngest is, is 21 uh she's a senior at northwestern and she's engaged and planning to get married she was planning to get married in november of this year and i said no no that's not going to work <laughs> and so we pushed it back to next year uh but that that's on your mind too right and mm-hmm. as you know weddings are, are not only a planning nightmare but they're they're costly and so there's so many things that go into a, a decision like this and, 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 and saying, Hey, I'm going to step back and, and focus on the family and the priorities. And, and look, I'll, I'll tell you that in, in 2020, we, we all were sworn in and, 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 you know, we were all new and gung ho and we said, Hey, we're going to go down and fight for, for the, to make changes to Louisiana to, to drive our, you know, our, our, our population up instead of losing we're going to create jobs we're going to we're going to streamline uh taxes there's so many things we want to do and 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 we we worked on every one of those and we moved the needle on every one of those things that i signed up to go do um but then we also had covid right we had Mm -hmm. seven hurricanes we had a, a winter storm from hell that impacted 42 parishes uh i mean you name it the the you know the Flood outbreaks, just and, and you were. And we need to say you were you were head of Homeland Security Committee, so you had to go to all those meetings. Every one of them, and I'll tell you, between in 2020, between March when we were sworn in and October, the end of October when I came home, I was only able to come home 14 days in that time period. I was there every day for meetings with the governor, with GOSEP, disaster recovery, you name it. In 21. I was going 162 days in 21. I let didn't me, even count in 22. Let me ask you this, Barry. You you made a call, I'm told, to Thomas Presley to encourage him to run for your seat. I assume you now endorsed him in in his effort I, to run for Senate. Sure. Thomas is a dear friend of mine. We work together well. I think he's an excellent representative for for, for this district, for this for this part of the state, for northwest Louisiana. He's a huge advocate for Shreveport. He's a huge advocate for, for for economic development. Very intelligent, hardworking, dedicated young man, and, and I'm I'm proud to call him friend. You know, Thomas had always told me. He said, if if you if, when you're term limited, or if you ever decide not to run, uh, I, I want to run for your seat. And I said, well, Thomas, you'd be the first one I called. And when when I started sitting down with the family and having these conversations. 
Um, I, I, I felt like I was abandoning the district. I felt like I was abandoning the state, uh, like I was being selfish for stepping away. And, and I called Thomas and I said, Hey, are you, are you still interested in, in running for Senate District 38? And he said, Yes, I am. What's going on? And I explained and I said, I haven't made a decision, but just, just be ready. And he said, I, I'm happy to run for my house district. I love serving my house district. He's very good at serving his house district. He said, but if I need to step up to the bigger role, I'm, I'm ready. And so I finally had to make the decision. Um, and, and I called Thomas and, and he graciously jumped in. So, mm-hmm. and I appreciate that. Barry Milligan, state senator. Look, thank you for your time. You're leaving some big shoes to fill. Mm-hmm. We appreciate your work. I, it's the greatest blessing of my life. I'm, I'm hoping not to go too far. I, I'm, I'm hoping to continue to serve in any capacity, uh, that, that moves Shreveport, that moves, um, you know, Northwest Louisiana forward. I'm, I'm there. Thank you, Barry. We appreciate your time. Thank you. I appreciate y'all. All right. Uh, speaking of Thomas Presley, he's going to join us coming up at 840, 1017. Back with more of Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. What a, <laughs> 1017 FM, 710 Keel, Mike and McCarty. I'm laughing at the tech. We were talking about Mardi Gras, uh, earlier this morning mm-hmm. and you know, people, the general consensus is the first mile and a half of the parade is not the issue. The The family area and early afternoon, that's not the problem area. The Mm-mm. problem area is toward the end of the parade. Shreve City and then the Duck Pond. And the Duck Pond. And Shreve City is, quite frankly, the larger problem. Mm-hmm. That yeah. gets it gets kind of raucous in that area. If you, there, there's two crowd, there's two theories for crowd folks out of hand um shreve city a lot's going on for problems with the float riders with the crowds throwing things and acting stupid it's the duck pond that's my view and i've gotten that view from a lot of other people and uh, you know i'm hearing you got a text and i love this it says well we can solve that by turning the parade onto night street and going up Night that's Street. That's not funny. Back to Preston. And we're not going to say that out great, loud. That's a great idea. That solves all the problems. That came from Barrow Peacock, <laughs> who I now, we we are no longer friends. Barrow, that's a brilliant idea. We don't, you don't exist anymore. I'm Maybe then they'll have you. to repave it. Block, can I if block him? If it's a Mardi Gras route, then they'll have to repave it. They'll have to up, up, up you know. If they did it this year, you know, in 2024, the potholes on Night Street, we would lose floats in the potholes. I'm just saying. Actually, is is the street wide enough to accommodate the floats no. going back up there? No. Yeah, it is. Night Street's not a, wide enough to accommodate anything. I'm going to I'm going to petition that. Oh, Tom Arsenault, I hope it. you're listening. <laughs> that's a, that's a salute. You you shorten the parade. Turn it at Night Street, then back to the at Parkway. Night Street, going down, but next to Shreve City. Mm. Yeah, Tom Arsenault, we don't want that. We don't want that at all. Um, I, I got some more texts this morning from some of the crews, both from uh, Gemini and Centaur, because it looks like from the email the mayor sent out that these changes are set in stone. And they're saying, no, nah, these aren't as set in stone as the mayor might think they are. So uh, is it Duke's up and we're, you know, we're in the ring now? We're boxing with the mayor? 
Are they going to, I mean, who are they going to call? The mayor set the rules at the request of his his police right. chief, you know. I mean, we need, we know last year we had a murder at the parade. We had a lot of fights at the parade, and it was a lot to do with people drinking too much. Um you're not going to stop them from drinking too much. That's just not going to happen. The earlier start time, it's a 30-minute well, change. This isn't just the mayor. It's the police department, the fire department, yes. public works, SPAR, all of these meeting together to try to come up with solutions right. to the public safety issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, do they – would the – what leverage, though, do Gemini and Centaur have? That was my question to to Bridges mm-hmm. the other day. I mean, if the mayor says this is how it's going to be, what re- what what uh, you know? What are you going to do? Could they cancel their parade? I mean, other than cancel the parade, Say, okay, we won't roll this year, right? I mean, you I can't go. No, happening. we're starting at four thirty. I, you know, I would be shocked if either of these parades said not rolling. We're not rolling this year. It would it would be a that would be a, a a shot across the bow, no doubt about it. But I don't see that happening. I see them, you know, they're going to have to kind of accommodate and and do. But I know the Gemini group is meeting tonight. So do they do anything to kind of buck the system? Not sure. It's a mess. We'll find mm-hmm. out. Thomas Presley joining us coming up at eight four. Back with more of Mike and McCarty on one zero one seven FM and seven ten Keel. You know, when you get up at 4, by 8.30, 9 o'clock, you're hungry. I know. I'm sorry I did this to you. Oh, my. I mean, even these turkey legs look amazing. Oh, I'm looking on uh, keelnews.com at these mm-hmm. Texas State Fair food finalists. Oh. Aaron, deep fried cheesy crab tater bites. Shut Gosh. up. They look like little oh those little so brown good. and they have crawfish on them too and they have crab meat oh my gosh and they've got cheese it just looks delicious and then the one that i'm crazy for right now is bourbon banana caramel sopapillas diabetes in a basket yeah right there. can i have some please <laughs> please that's got all kind of stuff Man- what are it's got vanilla Turkey ribs? Yeah, turkey ribs is coming. Turkey ribs? Yeah. Mm. Ribs of a turkey? See all the new foods there. These are the winning choices, the like judges. Fried uh, frog lips. Keelnews.com. You can check it all out. Thomas Presley joining us coming up next. 1017 FM. Let's get back to the show with Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. On the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline, Bird Graduate State Representative Thomas Presley joining us. Thomas, good morning. Good morning. How 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 me on. how uh, how how drastically did your world just change? Fairly <laughs> <laughs> uh, drastically. I mean, I, I certainly have had the op- a great opportunity of serving the people of District Six in the State House over the last four years, and really have enjoyed that opportunity. Um, and and you know, was surprised to learn that my, my good friend Barry Milligan has decided not to run for re-election. Um, but looking forward to the opportunity to, to jump into the Senate race for District 38. Barry said, well, I didn't want to call him, but he's the best I had. So, yeah. <laughs> and hey, you didn't, you didn't call me and say you weren't running for my House seat. Now I could run for that seat, right? 
I, I heard this morning that you were throwing your name in. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not. But I'm joke. I joke about it. So what? What? This is a much bigger district. A Senate seat is a much bigger district. Um, I don't know if you heard Scott Hughes. He said you might get caught in the middle of this. Uh, John Milkovich now running as a Republican, and there might be a Democrat that jumps in that race that could catch Thomas Presley in the middle and essentially boot you out. Concerned about that? You know, I'm looking forward to, to running on my record and running for the future of, of Louisiana. I fought for Shreveport, Bossier, and Northwest Louisiana during my four years in the House. Uh, certainly looking forward to the opportunity to, to share that vision and the, and the message that we need to uh, continue to advocate for Northwest Louisiana um, in the state Senate over the next four years. And, and I look forward to being on the campaign trail this fall. What po- folks that don't really realize, what is the difference between a senator and a state rep. I mean, it's a it's a much more powerful position, correct? Yeah, absolutely. You represent uh, about uh, eighty thousand more people um, in in the state senate than the state house. Um, certainly have more oversight of boards and commissions that uh, you know are, are appointees by the governor. Um, so that's important. And and again, when you have a smaller group, you have uh, more ability to make changes and and make influence in Baton Rouge. What sets you apart from Mr. Milkovich? You know, I think my record in, in Baton Rouge of, of common sense solutions, of advocating for Northwest Louisiana, of, of cutting red tape to allow private uh, jobs and, and the private sector to thrive, um, of, of being able to stand strong on, on fiscal policy, conservative policies. Um, I'm looking forward to, to having the opportunity to, to share my record and, and hopefully have the opportunity to, to be elected to serve the people of uh, Senate District 36, 38 uh, in the Senate. Thomas, you you were in the middle of that end of session debacle. We all know it was a debacle. You tried to cooperate. Um, you didn't hold firm, some would say, on that conservative uh, agenda, and therefore didn't get hurt as bad in the in the we're going to pay you back. Um, but you still feel strongly that you're a strong conservative in this race. I do. I think when you and there's no doubt that 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 was a debacle um, and and certainly something that, uh, you know, should never happen again. I think there needs to be some some changes to the the system of how we get the budget back uh, so that that legislators can read it. And it doesn't matter if you have five minutes or, or, you know, a day to look at the budget. We need to be able to to read uh, line for line what what is going on in it. Um, but I certainly think that when you have $700 million that's going to paying off our long-term debt, when we're going to fix our roads and our bridges, um, you know, it, it's important to, to spend one-time dollars on one-time needs. And we had uh, many of those that were included in that budget um, and, and certainly want to continue to advocate for Northwest Louisiana. There's no doubt that, that our roads and bridges uh, are full of potholes, as we've discussed, on, on local streets, but certainly on state highways as well. Uh, and we need to do more to, to well, you make You can't sure. bring 500 pages, you know, to the floor in in 10 minutes time and go, okay, let's approve this. No, that's right. But I mean, Mike, the the challenge is, you know, the year before we had about, you know, a few more hours. I mean, I totally agree that that five minutes is not enough time. But the way that the the system is is set up right now, you have to look at four different documents in order to find out what's in the budget when it comes back. And what we need is a, a system, and in today's day and age with technology the way it is, 
Uh, we need to implement a system that allows us to see what's actually in the budget. Um, and, and that's a system change. That's a process change. And that's certainly something that, that I will be uh, advocating for and, and pushing leadership uh, to make sure that that's a, a possibility to not only the legislators, but the public can see exactly what it is before seven days after we're out of session. Mm-hmm. We've got 12 candidates. We're talking with uh, State Rep. Thomas Presley. Uh, Thomas, we've got like 12 candidates now that have qualified for governor. There's a couple more that are expected. Uh, who do you like? Who are you supporting for governor? Sure. I'm, I'm certainly focused on, on my race. Um, I think we've got some, some quality folks. I think Jeff Landry uh, certainly uh, is the front runner at the, at the moment. Um, and, and has done a good job as, as Attorney General. Um, Stephen Wagesback, I work with closely at Lobby. Uh, Richard Nelson's a, a good friend of mine from, from the State House. We um, have very similar views on, on, you know, the challenges facing Louisiana and the need to have real reform. When you look at Louisiana, we haven't grown compared to our sister states, the other states in the United States, since 1910. Um, we, haven't, we were the same size as the, as the state of Florida in 1960. Mm. population wise i mean 60 years ago we had the same number of electoral votes of the people that elect the president of the united states as florida and and the the answer is growth in the senate if you win this seat um what committees would you like if we have a republican governor what committees will you lobby for that you as a senator serve on because that's critical to get stuff for our area it is. It's, it's vitally important that, you know, and, and right now we have both Barry Milligan and Senator Tarver on the finance committee. I would love to have the opportunity to serve there um, and, and to be able to make sure that we're having uh, dollars that, that are being allocated properly, effectively and, and regionally. Uh, Northwest Louisiana uh, historically has has been um, given the, the lesser of, of the money that we're sending down there, particularly in DeSoto Parish, where we have a severance tax. Uh, that is a, a large amount of money that's going straight to the state. Um, and, and we've got a lot of roads and, and bridges down there that, that need to be fixed. Um, and, and there was an effort this year to try to, to get the separate tax to go back to the parishes where it's coming from, uh, which makes a lot of sense, especially when we're advocating for, for northwest Louisiana with the Hainesville Shale. Um, we have a lot of, of, of oil and gas dollars that, that go to Baton Rouge, and we're not seeing them back. So I think it's important that we have a, a, an active and important voice on on our financial affairs mm-hmm. uh, committees. Um, I, over the last four years, I've served on uh, health and welfare in the House. Uh, I've served on uh, civil law and commerce um, and, and, you know, enjoyed the opportunity to do those. Uh, committee and that committee work as well. State Rep. Thomas Presley on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline. In the last minute, Thomas, I do want to ask, uh, I'm a firm advocate for economic development. There's a lot of exciting things happening in northwest Louisiana. Uh, The GM plant's getting new life. Uh, The Amazon facility is coming. Uh, The port is vitally important. Uh, What will you do as state senator to continue the economic development here in northwest Louisiana? Yeah, I will continue to work with with all those partners. Um, I've I've brought bills on behalf of the uh, port. I've brought bills on behalf of northwest or north Louisiana Economic Partnership. um, And I'll continue to to advocate for economic growth. I've also worked on a bipartisan way with uh, my friend Matt Willard from New Orleans on trying to bring STEM innovation and, and jobs of the future and science and technology to Louisiana. 
keeping our best and brightest here um, through incentives that, that bring them back to the state of Louisiana. We know the answer to our challenges in Louisiana is growth. We've got to be able to bring young people back to the state uh, and particularly back to northwest Louisiana. We've got tremendous opportunities here uh, and tremendous resources, but we've got to rely on our best resource, which is our people, and we've got to make sure they're willing to stay in Louisiana and we can recruit more here. State Rep. Thomas Presley. Thank you, sir. Thank you all. Appreciate it. Good luck. 101.7. Now more breaking news and trending talk with Mike and McCarty on 101.7 FM and 710 Kiel. Thomas Presley's talked about he's dyslexic, too. All, all Is he also. really? Yeah. How impressive is that somebody that uh, overcomes that? Mm-hmm. That's interesting. And I, I, I didn't bring know that, that up because Louisiana Key Academy is now open. Oh, cool. Uh, Art the old Arthur Circle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, school, which I just think that's I just think yes. that's such a cool idea. I know. I know. It's it's going to attract a ton of kids. Today's the first day in Bozier, by the way. So you saw the kids going back, and you're going to see all the pictures popping up on social media. Of first day of school. I love I love seeing that. I don't remember a first day like that, like a going I in and photo I don't remember specifics. Ops. Yeah. There, there are a few things. I loved school. I didn't do yeah. great because I was so ADD. ADD. <laughs> um, but... I remember going back to school, the new clothes, you know, and school supplies. Who I mean, who oh, doesn't yeah. love buying new school supplies? And and my some of my favorite days, and I, and I'm going back to elementary school, were when we got those little catalogs. They looked like comic books. Yeah, for the book for you order books, mm-hmm. and I oh, would go man. through and pick out my books that I wanted yeah. and order, and then. That was an exciting day. And then when the books came in. Oh, when the books came in was oh. like amazing. <laughs> like Christmas. Yeah, and if you buy three, you get one free, you know. That was so much. Do they still do that? I know they do book fairs. I think. I I don't know. I don't know. I remember those. I just remember those catalogs specifically. Oh, it was so. Yeah, that was such a treat. And you could go through and pick out books. And, and, and my the, mom was supportive of that. Oh, gosh, obviously. Yeah. And the highlights, you remember those when we used to have those highlights magazines? I or remember whatever. those oh. in the doctor's office. Yeah, <laughs> I love those. Yeah, don't have that kind of stuff anymore. And, and no. our kids, the poorer for it. Now it's TikTok and, and oh, oh yeah, ugh, I know. all this other junk. It's just kind of crazy. Well, I'm you know I'm excited for the kids. I'm hoping it's a great school year. I have a lot of teacher friends. A couple of them have switched schools this year, and so they're at new new venues, and um, they're excited about the changes, and it's a good school but year. But we also start. didn't go back to school until after September. Yeah, after Labor Day. September is the start of school. That's the new school year, not the 1st of August. We've been going this early now for a dozen years no, or better. No, it's stupid. It's too early for me, and it's hot. If your bus is not air-conditioned, it is but dang hot. Uh, uh uh, superintendent, uh, no, the Gory, Gory mm-hmm. uh, said all the buses were air conditioned. Didn't he yes, say that? Yes, he did say that. Um, I'm not sure about the Bozier buses, but he did also Lamar. he did also hedge that and say, but yeah, there might be some that, that we have issues with. Or, yeah, yeah so, right, right. Um, you know, kids bring their water. You know, they're allowed to bring their water, and they're allowed to. You know, if the, if the bus doesn't have air, I'm sure they're allowed to we roll, roll the windows down. We didn't down. have air, and the windows were down. And I remember. Yeah. 
a, a kid in, in band had a trombone, and we were coming off of I twenty, uh, heading onto Barksdale Boulevard. Mm-hmm. Okay, that that long intro, uh, exit ramp. And I wanted to see if I could blow the trombone. Oh, So yeah. I stuck it. I wasn't trying to cause trouble. Oh. So I stuck it out the window and went, oh, oh Lord. Got, which sounded exactly like an 18-wheeler. Oh, Mrs. Keith, bus driver number 22, <laughs> almost swerved off the road <laughs> thinking a truck was coming after us. Oh, I had to sit oh. on the front row for like the next I bet month. you did. I bet you did. <laughs> 101.7 FM.